Hello again, everybody. I'm Carly Webb, and this is the Transporter Room, the intersection of sports, transness, sci-fi, gaming, all things nerd and geek, and a lot of other stuff. And we continue our exploration into trans athlete stories you may not have heard, but you need to. This week, the stories go out on the ice. That's coming up later. But up front, after 10 months, dozens of attempts, seemingly hundreds of hours of hearings and debate, Texas Governor Greg Abbott, Republican, signed House Bill 25 into law Monday. The law will take effect this coming January. Now, the law would compel the state's University Interscholastic League to limit a student-athlete to competition in the gender that is denoted on the birth certificate at or near the time of birth. Any amended birth certificates, which were previously accepted by the UIL, could no longer be accepted under law. Now, Texas becomes the 10th state to pass such measures since last year. Now, you have the nation's second and third most populous states with such measures on the books. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed a similar bill into law on June 1st. Now, between Texas, Dave Chappelle, and the BBC, it's been a sinister week leading up to Halloween for trans folks. Chappelle, the award-winning comic, still drawing fire for his latest Netflix special, The Closer, gave an answer to trans employees at Netflix who were seeking a meeting with him. To the transgender community, I am more than willing to give you an audience. She will not summon me. I am not bending to anybody's demands. Uh, Dave, that's the gag. You weren't summoned, and there were no demands on you. In fact, if you listened or read the Netflix employees' demands, your name wasn't mentioned, and the only time your special was mentioned is when they said, we don't want your special taken off the streaming service. Oh, but that type of cisness wasn't alone. Check out the BBC once again using British turfs to try and sell the Predator meme based on some stodgy anti-trans research by someone named Angela Wilde. Wilde is the co-founder of a group called Get the L Out whose members believe the rights of lesbians are being ignored by the current LGBTQ, LGBT movement, rather. And they have put together um, a small sample survey which said that something around the area of 60% of lesbians they talked to said that trans women tried to force themselves on them or risk being called transphobic. Now, needless to say, this little bit of quote-unquote news, many people are crying fake all over social media. One of the most prominent voices who spoke out was Jen Richards. The noted actress and producer had this to say on her Twitter, quote, the idea that trans women need to pressure anyone into sex is laughably absurd. Don't fall for stupid op-eds written with little or no basis and lived experience and by people who want to erase trans people from public life. If you don't want us, we don't want you either. All we ask is that you leave us and our partners alone. 
Smart ass Jen does it again. But see the cycle. BBC puts out stuff like this through researchers who have a vested interest in putting out stuff like that. People like Dave Chappelle in the mass media take that, perhaps makes a joke out of it or makes an entertainment or a script out of it, and they put it even more into the public airwaves. And they amplify it. And people listen to them. And next thing you know, they're voting in politicians who say stuff like this. My terminology will be biological males, biological females. If I say girls, I mean biological girls. So um, that, that is the terminology that is scientific, and that's the terminology that I'll be using. So uh, that way we're both clear, and we don't want any confusion here. By the way, the voice you heard was Valerie Swanson, Texas Republican state representative and the author of HB 25. Thankfully, we have voices like these who are willing to speak out. It's not about people gaining an advantage over other people, right? This is about kids striving to better themselves, uh, their self-esteem, their vision of what they can achieve in their lives. Sport is a big part of that in people's lives. And, and by denying that, it, it's, yeah, it, it blows my mind, frankly. Oh, that voice? That was your favorite endurance racer and mine, Charlie Martin, who ended a wild and competitive fun season in the Praga division of the Brit Car Endurance Series over the weekend at Donington Circuit in the UK. And the British endurance racer had a pair of four-place finishes alongside her teammate Jack Fabi, but that was good enough to keep them on the podium for the season. The season is over in the Brit Car Championship, and they ended up third in the series. Richard Wells and Alex Capadia and Tim Gray were the series champions at 216 points. Richard Morrison and Chris Wiesemel was second at 201. Fabian Martin finished third. They had one win on the season, three second places on the season. Overall, a very consistent season. And not bad, not bad at all. And after so many years of scratching and clawing to get a seat, Charlie Martin got a seat and did something with it in 2021. And couple that with an excellent run in the Supercar Challenge at Spa, Belgium last weekend. Now, that course is iconic, dangerous, and fast. And she was on the podium there alongside teammate Alain Berg finished third in their class, and overall, a solid, successful year. And here's looking forward to seeing Charlie Martin at Le Mans in 2022. Martin seeks to break barriers, much like a group of trans athletes did in 2019. When they came from across the continent, a group of hockey players got together and formed what was known as Team Trans. And Team Trans played in their first series that year. It was in Boston. They met a select squad of the best of the Boston Gay Hockey League. They waged two competitive fights on the ice. Team Trans scheduled to get together again next month in Madison, Wisconsin, and play another set of games against a select squad from the Madison Gay Hockey Association. And two members of that team who are putting that match together 
We're going to get beamed up here to the transporter room and join us to tell their story on and off the ice. From Madison, Wisconsin, Avery Cordingly and Mason Lefebvre. They're coming up with this. We got the beams locked on. Energize. Like I said, you get you get beamed on this show. Sorry, we're bad at this. <laughs> you, it's okay. You'd think by now Avery would figure out that I always let them go first. <laughs> well, it's good seeing you both. Welcome to the transporter room. Avery Cordingly, Mason Lefebvre, two representatives of Team Trans. By the way, first to begin with, what positions do you play on the team? I'm a goalie. Uh, I'm a center. Mason and goal. What player? What player do you pattern your game after? I like watching Marc Andre Fleury, but I do not have his athleticism, and I can't go into a full split on command. <laughs> but who can? Um, who can? <laughs> well, <laughs> Marc Andre Fleury can. <laughs> I mean, he's pretty close. Mason is. Uh, I mean, if I stretch first, yeah, and I don't really model my game after any particular player i just try to keep in mind the things that i've been taught i guess i don't know avery what about you because avery you got like that kind of that star position you're up you're up front offensive player push the puck up the ice uh i wouldn't say i model my game after after anyone in particular um if i had the ability i would i would model it after the college players the d1 women that we watch play hockey because they're incredible but i am i am not a d1 hockey player i will never be and was not a d1 hockey player but i just try to remember my coaching too. um do what needs doing in the game the center kind of plays all over the ice we play forward in the offensive zone and we're back on defense in the defensive zone so do it all play as the game needs it what attracted you to this game what do you think is attracting so many more people to this game uh for me what attracted me to it i think initially was just how different it was from all the other sports that i tried i don't like mud there was no mud on the ice that was convenient um also looking back now with hindsight definitely the fact that you wear head-to-toe equipment like three layers of it is great no one can see what you look like under it. Um, hey, don't steal I, my quote. <laughs> um, like I, now, the equipment, like I, it's, it doesn't play the same role. Like back then, it was clearly I didn't want to wear the skirts that the tennis team made us wear, right? So I didn't play tennis. But hockey is like you all wear the same thing. It doesn't matter your gender. You're all wearing the same thing, and no one can see your body under it. Um. It's also just, it's an exhilarating sport. It's so fast. It's, it's so different from any sport I've, I've played. Um, even just the simple, like the feel of, of skates on ice is, is something I, I cherish. Yeah. The speed definitely. Um, cause I can't watch other sports on TV. Even if I, even if it's something that I could go watch in person and enjoy, I, I can't watch sports on TV because they're just, they're so slow, but I can watch hockey. <laughs> doesn't matter. I can watch hockey games any time of day. Um, Cause it's just so fast. Um, and there's always just something new happening that you didn't expect. 
Um, whereas, like, if I'm watching, like, I like to play softball, but if I were to watch it on TV, I wouldn't be that interested because, for the most part, I know what's going to happen. The ball's going to go there. Either they're going to make a nice catch or they're not, and the person's going to get on base. But then, you know, it's very typically very predictable. It follows a set pattern, but there's no hockey game that ever follows a set pattern. You can make all the systems and plays you want to make, but in a split second decision, that play might go out the window and it's up to the player on the ice to make a decision of what to do with the puck. A coach can only do so much. It's always different. It's always interesting. And it's always fun. My favorite part of hockey over time, sudden death. Oh God. (laughs) Nope. That is my least favorite. (laughs) You're saying for the team trans series in Madison, we should have overtime. I'm saying that if it ends in a tie, it should end in a goddamn tie. <laughs> end in a tie when we have all this ice to have overtime with? No, come on. You want me to have a panic attack? That's why we have so many goalies. <laughs> Actually, that's a good point. If I start the game, then I don't have to worry about it. Well, Problem solved. T- uh, One thing I will say, you two bring that, brought the locker room today. I'm kind of liking this. You're busting, <laughs> on, you're busting on each other. This is like, so I'm just wondering, was this what the team trans locker room was like? Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, a little less so just because like Avery and I have known each other for a while now. And for team trans, most of us only knew of each other at most. Um, like there were a, I want to say there were three people that came from um, Madison for it. Um, at the time, I lived in New York, and I drove out with one friend who was in Albany with me. Um, and so, like, there were a couple small groups of each other that like knew each other, but for the most part, it was all just like, I don't remember any of your names, and it's been forty-eight hours, but it's been such a hectic forty-eight hours. I'm not going to know your names for another two weeks until I keep seeing it on Instagram over and over again. Um, but even though we didn't really know each other, it was, it was pretty similar. Yeah, it was, there was some really good camaraderie there. For the both of you, how important was it to not only get that team together, but to hit the ice together and play? It's been about two years and I still, I struggle to talk about it because I don't know what words to use. Um, the only thing that I've been able to say that feels right is just that it felt like playing with family i just i really i don't know what else to say about it um it was amazing um it was definitely one of those like everybody else left and i was sitting at the rink still and i just sat down and started crying in the lobby because it was just such an emotional experience it was powerful Every, how about you? What was that like for you? So I wasn't in Boston due to a scheduling conflict. Um, I've been involved in planning the Madison series um, since about December of 2019. I've played with a fair number of other trans folks here in Madison. Um, we actually have a lot of uh, trans hockey players here. Um I can't say I've ever been in a locker room with all trans folks. Hopefully November. We'll see. I imagine it will feel similarly. 
and doing the research for Avery, there's something I ran across that ran in May that ran on May Day last year. This really spoke to me. No one will scrutinize your chest under this baggy hoodie. No, the other team isn't going to question your hormone levels on site. Just play the damn game. What gets rough about being non-binary and just playing the damn game? Uh, what really gets rough is that I, I prefer playing women's hockey. I always have. I played in college pre-transition. I play now. Um, and once you most women's hockey, especially adult rec women's hockey, is pretty accepting, very chill, very LGBTQ friendly. Half the team is probably married to the other half, etc. Um, but there are definitely times, like if I'm going to play with a team I don't know, like I'll show up as me, looking and sounding like I do. And if I don't know anyone on the team, I'm. I have to like either come right out or hope someone vouched for me. Um, even now it's like we showed up like Mason and I play on the same team. It's like we show up to our game at the ring last week. We're playing an out of state team. And like, I walk into a locker room, like I belong there, which I do, but the other team watched me do it. So <laughs> what are they thinking? Right. Um, and it's like, yeah, I shaved that morning. I could just have short hair. They don't know, but, but I walked in at the same time, and I have some amount of facial hair, enough to be noticeable if you're watching me walk into the locker room. Um, and I have also been, while playing women's hockey, um, been in the bathroom when the other team's coach walks in. And, like, that's bizarre. Um that happened a couple weeks ago and it was totally fine. The guy didn't say like, I mean, we chatted about the game, you know, he didn't say anything about like, why the hell are you in here or anything? Um, but weird stuff happens like that. And I don't ever necessarily know how to react to it, but I can't walk into the women's bathroom. I'd get much weirder looks in there. How do you deal with that? And also cope with all the other parts of, you know, making sure that you're out on your eyes and you know what your team's going to do and flowing with your teammates and doing your job. How do you come, how do you cope with it? Where do you compartmentalize? If you compartmentalize, where do you just kind of let it be? And where are the places where it gets difficult? Playing my game is easy. Like I don't have any trouble when I'm on the ice. That's always been, even before I knew I was trans, that was always a place where it was just easy to be me. It wasn't necessarily easy to play the game. You know, obviously I struggle on the ice all the time, but I didn't, I don't have that worry when I'm on the ice. It's only like off the ice that I have those issues. Yeah. On the ice, honestly, you're wearing some, again, to the equipment, you're wearing so much gear. It feels a little like armor. Like no one's looking too closely. Cause what are they going to see? pads a jersey like on the ice i don't think about it i i will admit i make somewhat of a conscious effort to just not speak on the ice during women's games which is probably a detriment to my team because i should be yelling for the puck but i'm not going to yell in a women's game (laughs) 
To be uh, fair, you can't yell anyway. No, I can't yell. But if I could yell, I'd probably still yell. <laughs> I'm not a loud person. It's a real problem. Um, but like, I don't compartmentalize it as much anymore. And I think what helps with that is finding a team that accepts me for me. Because I wouldn't stick with a team if it were a hostile environment, right? Like, there's, it's, it's not worth it. I would find another team. I would play somewhere else. It's not worth the stress to play with a team that doesn't want me there. What does an accepting team dynamic look like? And how does it affect you? How does it affect how you play to be in an accepting dynamic? In an accepting dynamic, I can just focus on the game. I don't have anxiety about, do my teammates want me here? You know, does my coach want me on the ice? You know, I don't have to think about that. I can just relax and play hockey. At, at its most basic level, an accepting team is simply one that doesn't treat me differently, right? Like I'm there to play hockey and I'm a member of the team. I don't need to be like made a big deal out of. I don't need my pronouns to be, you know, front and centered unless someone's misgendering me, right? Like it's simply treating me like a member of the team and like I'm not different. Even though like my body might look different now, no one needs to comment on it. Now for the both of you, because I know both of you love this game. And you describe why you love this game. But what got you into this game? And how did it factor for the both of you finding your way toward your true north, as it were, toward your identity? How did this game play into that? If it factored into that? I would say for me, the game didn't factor into my transition, except that it it was my hesitation for physical transition because I, I loved women's hockey. I still do. And I was afraid in college because I transitioned in college. I was afraid that if I started hormones that my team would ask me to not play anymore. And that was not the case at all. I mean, just college club hockey. So like, there wasn't as much stake in the game, but like my women's hockey team also didn't care. They were just like, cool, you're still you. We like having you here. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, the game was my constant. It was my, my thing that I could always return to and work on and focus on. Even when I was dealing with, you know, shitty insurance providers and that hell that comes with, getting health care as a trans person and just on and on. The game was always the thing that I knew was going to be there for me come the weekend. You were the captain on your college club team. Mm -hmm. At that same time, you were thinking about, wait a minute, I'm the captain of my college club team, but I'm not a girl. <laughs> you can take me back. What was that point where you decided, I've got to cross this Rubicon and go for it and move forward? I mean, the point was when, you know, I couldn't get through a day without wanting to not leave my dorm room because I didn't want to deal with my body in public. <laughs> uh, the point was, you know, all of the little breaking points that add up into one big breaking point until you're running out of class before class is over and because your body doesn't do what you want it to do and you need to not be in public and on and on. But yeah. Okay, now that just hit me. 
because that was me right at that point where it's like, I can't do, you know, you get to that point, you can't do this anymore. Uh-huh. Mason, how about you? Did this game factor into the, into your moving forward? And if so, how did it? And what for you, what was that point where you said, I've got to be me now? It did and it didn't um, factor in. I also played a little bit in college club hockey. And at the time, I did not know this. Turns out I was one of two trans guys on the team and the other was actually my team captain. But I wasn't out and he wasn't out yet. But it was still just like a safe, welcoming kind of place where I probably could have told them all and probably they all would have been fine. And then... And I kind of knew that, like, even at the time, I just wasn't out to anybody yet. And then, like, a year or two later, someone wrote an article about the women's club team at Norwich and how it was a safe space for trans guys and how there were, like, three of them on the team. After I graduated, I um, took a year or two off because I was working a second shift. So I was, you know, at work when people would have been on the ice for the most part. And... When I picked it back up again, I joined a women's team because I hadn't started my physical transition, but I was I had changed my name and was out to my friends and family and everything. And I told them when I joined the team, like, hey, I might have surgery in a couple months, um, so I might not be able to play the whole season, which at the goalie can be kind of a big deal. But they had a new goalie that season and needed some coaching and whatever, so the deal was basically like, hey, if you have to step away later in the season, cool, but could you coach this goalie first, play the first part of the season as long as you can, whatever. So I was trying to get top surgery because I'd always known from the day I started growing any kind of chest that I did not want it. And eventually, after about a month, no, about two months after my consult for top surgery, when insurance had denied uh coverage and i was fighting with them and getting fed up with it i just it was like a month and a half later i i just snapped and went online went to planned parenthood site made an appointment for two days later and two weeks after i made that decision i started hormones which until that day i hadn't fully decided if i wanted to be on hormones or not in the first place but i was just so sick of my body and the way I felt and the way I looked and the way I sounded and none of it was right. And the one thing that I knew I absolutely needed was top surgery, but I couldn't get that. But I knew that even if I didn't want to be on hormones long-term, I knew that it was something that I could do now that I could stop if I wanted to, if I didn't like it or whatever. And I needed to do something for myself and control some part of it. And of course, my insurance had no issues covering that, just the surgery, because of course they did. But <laughs> how important is that word to you? What does that word mean to you, control? There's so much that everybody else tries to control. We're going to get to that in a minute. But for you, how vital was it to have that, con- to have that control and say, this body is mine? You know, through my first puberty, I had no control over it, and I didn't want anything that was happening. And then when I was trying to get surgery that I knew that I needed and knew that I needed for years and years and years, and insurance just said, no, we're not going to do that. 
and I met the requirements in their policy, and they just were like, no, you're not on hormones. You haven't been for a year. Their policy specifically was like, has been on hormones for a year unless otherwise unable or unwilling. And like, I didn't want to be on hormones, so I wasn't on hormones. My letters all said that. So I had no control over anything, even the things that supposedly I should have had control over. It was just being able to do something for myself made all the difference in the world. Once you made the decisions and you've moved forward and you've gotten into that place, and Avery, I want to start with you at this one because, again, in that same article, you touched on this. You talked about, quote, the cloak of trepidation I feel walking into a hockey rink. What's it been, what was that first time after you crossed that barrier and were making the changes you that you felt you needed to make for yourself? What was it like that first time walking in and playing the game again? I think it was both freeing and kind of terrifying because I, I distinctly remember the first weekend I went back to hockey after after top surgery because um, I didn't play Sunday. We had a game on Saturday and a game on Sunday. And I played Saturday, and that was a questionable decision. And then I was only six weeks post-op. And then I didn't play on Sunday, but I went to the rink to support my team. And we played the same team both days. And I remember going to the bathroom after the game on Sunday and I saw, I ran into someone from the other team there in the bathroom, and she remembered me on the ice yesterday and then sitting in the scorekeeper's box on Sunday, just, you know, to run the clock or whatever I was doing. Um, and she was like, oh, why didn't you play today? And I, in the moment, blanked and went, oh, I had top surgery, and then just like froze. And she was like, oh, congratulations. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> um, and I guess, it was that interaction, honestly, that kind of just made me relax because I was like, nobody cares. They're probably very happy for me for the most part. Um, and I finally got to do what I needed to do for me. And it didn't make my, my you know, world of hockey implode. So it, it was terrifying at first, but that, that one weird interaction where my brain decided to be a little too personal uh, it it kind of helped uh, break that bubble there for me. With that in mind, let's say that youth hockey coach comes up to you when you're having your series in Madison as Team Trans. Let's say some youth hockey coach from, say, Madison or Appleton comes up to you and says, look, I have, I have a young trans kid on my team, and I'm not sure what to do. What do I need to know to best support them? What would you tell that coach? Very little as far as like what the coach would need to do, honestly. I think people overthink it too much. From my point of view, anyway, all you really need to do is let them know that you're going to be there for them, which you don't even have to say anything directly to them to do. But thing, little things like using the right pronouns, correcting if they're out to the team and everybody knows it and whatever, correcting their teammates if they use the wrong pronouns or the wrong name, or if they don't have a name picked out yet, but maybe they have a name that's very gendered and they clearly don't like it, 
call them by their last name or a nickname or something, or even just their jersey number could be better. I think people tend to overthink it and they feel like they need to have this big heart to heart with the kid or something. And I mean, some kids that is helpful for and others that's just really awkward and uncomfortable and they don't want you to draw attention to it. Really, all you have to do is the little things like the pronouns, correcting yourself, correcting the other kids, correcting assistant coaches or parents. Yeah, the the big thing I think for me is don't make a big deal out of it. Don't make them them feel different for it. Treat them like the rest of the team. Normalize the situation. If you screw up their name or their pronouns, literally two words, correct it and move on. If you know, if I say, oh, Mason, well, they went to the, oh, no, Mason, he went to the goal, right? Correct it and move on. Don't even acknowledge it. Just normalize the fact that we're human. We get it wrong. We fix it and we'll get it right next time. The kids, yeah, I mean, that. like kids look up to their coaches. They'll see that coach normalizing this, treating the kid like the rest of the team, you know, and they'll follow suit for the most part. And think about it. If you had like, an entire team of mostly boys and like two girls, then every once in a while, you're going to call one of the girls. He, because you're calling everybody else on the team. He, me in high school, but you're going <laughs> to, yeah, exactly. but you're going to catch it and you're going to correct yourself or like, you know, the, you're going to call the girl by the wrong name because there's two of them and you just see the ponytail. And so you call one girl, Rebecca, when her name is Ashley, you're going to correct yourself. You're going to, you're going to just going to fix it. We'll do the same thing if they're trans. And there's that noise. That means time to give love to the sponsors. But when we come back more on the team and the dream and thoughts on certain things that happened long ago in a galaxy far, far away. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. This is the transporter room. Stay with us. here at the transporter room i'm your host carly chardonnay webb i'm joined by two members of hockey's team trans center avery cordingly and goaltender mason lafave just a few days ago a 10th state basically legalized discrimination against transgender kids and it's just disgusting. said it is disgusting especially for the both of you who aren't too many who aren't too many years removed from the young people, for example, the young people in Texas who were speaking out and speaking to their legislators and saying, you don't want to pass this. For yourself, when you look at that, as athletes, kind of what goes through your head? What thoughts go through your head? Panic. Like, if if I lived in West Virginia now, like if I was 16 living in West Virginia as a trans kid, even if I wasn't trans, West Virginia's bill would exclude me from hockey that exists in West Virginia, whether I was trans or not, because it's a boys team, right? Like that's the bullshit that this bill is. Like I sit here and my immediate thought when you asked that question was if those, if that's the situation I was in, I would have moved into in with my grandparents in Chicago and played hockey there. Like (laughs) I would have left. Right. Like my mom would have supported me because she wants what's 
I, I'm lucky. I have a supportive parent, but right. Like that's my thought is like panic, desperation. I would have left the state and moved seven states away and changed schools to, to get to do the thing that makes me want to get out of bed in the morning. Like, you know, the interesting thing is West Virginia passed one of these laws earlier this year and it got blocked by a federal judge. Yeah, it got blocked. I thought I saw recently that it had been passed. Maybe that's is an outdated article. Oh but. yeah, it was it was passed and then thanks to thanks to a spunky little kid and an affirming parent they filed a lawsuit, went to a federal court and a federal judge said, "Nope." So of those 10 bills that were passed, two of them were, block, were blocked by federal injunctions, which, and I hope that Texas becomes the third and Florida becomes the fourth and so on. But I, but in many ways, it also goes back to the, both of, to the both of you. How important, for example, how important is Team Trans not just being on the ice, but also in a sense getting the word out? It's incredibly important. Um, there was... Um a trans boy uh, i think he was like 12 or 13 at the time who went and watched us play in boston and told me later that um i was one of his two favorite goalies and the other was henrik lundquist in the nhl (laughs) um wow because it was so incredibly important to him to have to be able to see another I, I somebody told me he said something along the lines of i didn't know there was another goalie like me or something like that because he felt alone starting to go through the wrong puberty as a goalie in a sport that is historically not particularly lgbt or trans friendly and so to get to go see an entire team of trans athletes meant a ton to him you've probably heard of what the premier hockey federation did a couple weeks ago bringing out their new policy for the both of you what's your thoughts on it i think it's a really good first step but i'm very curious about some of the wording um mostly the fact that it says um i i don't remember the exact wording that he they used but something about um exemptions for hormone usage basically so like theoretically i could play in the league if i were talented enough um if i could get a an exemption for my hormone usage but they don't really specify what the requirements for the exemption are which like it is going to be a case-by-case basis so i kind of get why they wouldn't really specify but at the same time they could write that policy and then while i don't expect this to be the case they could write the policy and then just never grant an exemption to anybody even when people want one and should get one it'll be interesting to see it go into play yeah like when the first player steps up and says hey i want to play in the league i'm good enough like goes to tryouts and makes the team but is a trans masculine individual i will be interested to see what the league does I'm also interested in another in another sense is 
This is the first policy that actually uses the words non-binary. Well, USA Hockey actually has a policy that gives a brief allusion to non-binary athletes. Um, But yeah, carry on. Sorry. No, no, no. Go on. Because this is something I'll admit. It's something that's something I don't know about. What is it on? What does USA Hockey say on that particular issue? For non-binary athletes, um, they essentially say you have to meet the, like if you're playing competitive youth hockey, um, you have to meet the requirements for your birth gender. Like you're assigned a birth gender. So if I were a 16 year old and I were a trans mask, like hockey player taking hormones, I would no longer be eligible to play women's hockey at a competitive level because of the hormones. That's what USA Hockey says right now. They may revamp that. I don't know. But currently, it treats non-binary athletes. It acknowledges we exist, and then it could decides not to do any work by simply saying, see your birth gender. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, and actually, that leads to the question I want to ask. Amory, non-binary inclusion in sport, what do you think that looks like? In an ideal world, let the athlete play where they're comfortable, as long as it's not a safety hazard to the other participants. And I say that because that's what the world would say, not because I think it's a thing that would become true. Like, I'm... I'm never going to be a threat to like when I play women's hockey at my level, I'm not a threat to anyone on the ice. I'm not large. I'm like five, six. I'm aggressively average. Like (laughs) I'm not like a threatening hockey player, except maybe to the hockey player on the other team who was like four foot, nothing. She was tiny anyway, (laughs) (laughs) but she was tiny to everyone on our team, not just me. Um, But like, it's like, I'll use the example that I use constantly um wham which is the women's hockey association of minnesota has a fair number of trans athletes in it they also have hundreds and hundreds of hockey players and nine or ten divisions of hockey like they have maybe it's 12 i i can't count anyway but what they they don't say anything on the subject of trans athletes other than that like they're welcome to play but they make every single person who signs up for the league go to a skill evaluation and then they go, you are this level, you can play there or higher. That's the way to do it. Like when I started medically transitioning, I asked my coach, I was like, what if I, I didn't phrase it like this, but the gist of my concern to her was what if I suddenly get better? It's a myth. It doesn't happen. I didn't suddenly get better. I kept playing with my team because I still fit at that level, right? Like you play at the level your skill is at and it's not a problem, right? Like I knew a lot of trans women who, who played and play in wham and they, they just play at the level at which they are competitive. Yeah. But, but Avery, if you, those, those evil trans women are going to rise up out of a lake and they'll eat Madison. I mean, honestly, (laughs) so like, why not? (laughs) What was that? (laughs) It was, a, it was a terrible jab at the infrastructure of the city. Now, um, <laughs> it's not that bad, but I can use a little. Change. But you know, no, but 
No, but that's what I mean. I'm, I'm I'm looking at it from my perspective right now. Is that people will look at me and they'll immediately think that like I'm this. That I will. I've heard tons of this. I've sat through five of those hearings down in Texas, and you hear these people who automatically say that you're like this this automaton that's going to eat your high school and every other high school in the state if we let you play. I would challenge them to let you play and then come to a game and see what, see if it manifests. That's always the challenge. Like I play with, I play with a dozen trans women I could think of that I play with now or have played with in the past. And I was going to say, I'm very curious how those people would react to like me playing goal against a bunch of trans women like would they expect me to get destroyed or would they expect me to stop everything and like them not to be able to do anything like i'm very curious what they expect the outcome of that would be when really it depends entirely on the individuals and their skill level (laughs) but like these people don't seem to think that way so i'm really curious what they think that would end up looking like well in your case it's probably mason some of those people come up would probably come up to say we've analyzed their attack and there is a danger. Should we prepare your ship for evacuation? <laughs> because one thing, I'm one thing I know about you both, Never. yeah. <laughs> because one thing I know about you both, you both love some Star Wars. So I want to know. We'll get to the geek. We're at the geek nerd part of the interview here. Right, let's go. R2 or BB-8. I think we have different answers to that. BB-8, sorry, no comment. R2. See, I'm more of an R2 astromech person. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm more. See, the BB-8 was cute, but the R2 is cheeky. Yep. <laughs> it's the attitude. <laughs> no, I'm just running for the both for the for the both of you. Have you been grooving to some of the new Star Star Wars mythos, like Mandalorian, for example? Which it just yes. seems like every the whole world is the whole world's on that right now. Yeah, Mandalorian is pretty cool. Um, even my nephew, who is like three, loves. Um, well, I mean, he loves Grogu, Baby Yoda, but by extension, also loves the Mandalorian himself. So that's what he's going as for Halloween this year. <laughs> I don't think he's ever actually seen it. He just knows the characters. You you both came into the world around the time of the second the second run of th- of three films was starting to come in, come in. You both came of age when they were starting to bring the third run in. So I want to know favorite Star Wars favorite favorite Star Wars film, Empire and Strikes it can Back. be and it can be the one offs. It can be oh, any mm. part of the tri- trilogy. It can be anything. But if you had to pick a number one, what would it be? I feel like I'm going to be judged for my answer. You probably will be. No, no. As a <laughs> as a member, no. As a as a proud Earth member of the of the Alliance to Restore the Galactic Republic, you will not be shamed for your answer. I really like the Force Awakens. It's just it it brings new life to something. Not that it needed new life, but it's just like BB-8 and Porgs. Yeah. But it all okay. But it's also a good movie. I like I like Ray. What can I say? No, Ray is cool. Um, 
Yeah, Empire oh. Strikes Back and Rogue One. I alternate between the two of them as which I would say is my favorite at any given moment. Well, I can tell you, one, Avery, I wouldn't judge you on that answer because I like The Force Awakens. I enjoy I'm I just enjoy judging it. Avery because I always judge Avery. <laughs> goalies, goalies do that to centers, don't they? Yep. I'm going to remote control my BB-8 into your office and rain terror on your desk. <laughs> I'm horrified. You'll scare your cat away. She down there. Yeah, she's on the futon. <laughs> she's blending oh, in. I can, I can tell you my two my my. It's hard for me to pick one, so I got three. Loved Rogue One because of the way it flows into New Hope and the yep. way it flows and the way that in turn flows into Empire. I love all the films, but those first ones and I I remember now. I'll always have an affinity for New Hope because I actually got to see it on the big screen when I was eight years old. Nice. So I was. I I was I was there at the beginning when nobody thought this would just become this thing. Yeah. That that was big at that time we just think it was going to be one, then a few years later there was two and then then I remember being with my friends going on my birthday to see Return of the Jedi. Nice. In a packed theater. So they were I mean to me they're all cool. Now I always ask this to Star Wars fanatics. Someone comes up to you, hands you a suitcase full of keys and codes and say, pick a vehicle. These codes will start it. You get to fly it or drive it. Any vehicle in the Star Wars universe, what are you picking? Oof. Well, that's hard. I want one that that my droid can sit in with me. That's my criteria. Because there's the part of me that wants the X-Wing. Because I love the Starfighters. Well, here's and the question, the which one? <laughs> but then there's also the part of me that wants the Falcon, because who doesn't want the Millennium Falcon? <laughs> See, Avery wants that, wants the... I have a feeling Avery is going to take that ultralight T eighty five X wing because the BB eight can just fit right in it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I'll take Luke's before he crashes into the swamp. Oh, you'll take. Oh, you, see, <laughs> see, you're taking. See, you're taking. You're taking my ride at that point. I want an original T sixty five because way back in the day had that game X wing. Mm. That X-Wing simulator, and that was like way, way back in the day. You probably, you're both probably like around 10 when it came out. I used to play the, I used to play that game like mad. He also, and yeah, you guys are talking about your D&D. Hey, you're D&D aficionados. That might be a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, any active campaigns you got going right now? You do a... Yeah, two. We have two, yeah. Oh, bite. What, um, what kind of what kind of landscape are we in on one of these campaigns? That one we both have characters in. Um which <laughs> mine is a rogue um half elf and Avery has a uh gnome warlock. <laughs> That my half elf carries in a backpack. 
Yeah. Because he's usually too drunk to walk. Baby Bjorn. No. <laughs> no. The gnome Bjorn. Now, here's a thought. What Could you build a hockey world for D&D? Because technically you could. I have absolutely if, thought about that and like all the different things. Like, I don't have the follow through to actually like make it, but it absolutely crosses my mind every once in a while. And I'm just like, oh, you could roll this to see how this goes. And you can you know, try this for this. And I've absolutely considered it. A quick note about what could be coming up. Because Team Trans back in the ice next month, we hope, in Madison. What's the progress on that right now? Uh, pretty good. Um, we have the ice booked. We've got our preliminary rosters for Team Trans. We have a decent chunk of people for the MJHA side to play against Team Trans, signed up and ready to go. Um, most of our athletes have arranged transportation um, and a place to stay. Some of them are staying with locals. Um, we rent a six-bedroom house, so we are going to have like anywhere from like three to six or seven people staying with us that weekend. Um, really, we're getting to the point where we we need to work on um, our t-shirts, photographers, yeah, um, programs, and figuring out all our volunteers to like actually make the weekend run smoothly because we can't do everything, even though we want to. <laughs> so, what what date will these games be played? Uh, November 20th and November 21st. All right. So you're going to land right on right on the Trans Day Remembrance weekend. Yep, which was complete coincidence, but worked out really well. <laughs> uh-huh. Avery, what's it going to be like breaking out that Team Trans jersey on home ice? It's past due. I can wear it to all the stick and pucks I want, but it's, it's not the same. No, it's not. It's absolutely not. I get a lot of compliments from like old random hockey dudes at the rink. They're like, sweet sweater. And I'm like, thanks. And they're like, what's it for? And I tell them and they go, cool. And we move on. You don't know if they know. And Yeah. The, the answer is almost always like, oh, okay, cool. When you, when you say, oh, it's team trans. And you can never tell if they have any idea what that means or not, which is honestly really funny. But here's the thing. You're going to be hitting that ice playing in that game and Avery for you I know it's going to be is it even starting to like kind of bubble up under the surface a little bit yeah there's too many planning tasks to get through <laughs> oh yeah how, how you think it's going to be on the 20th when that fur when you when that that first when you got to go on that first shift and you're on that ice and this time you're wearing the sweater and it's with the team Mason's going to have to force me to eat that morning because I'm going to be very... Mm. Yeah, that could be interesting. Just force each other to eat breakfast. Uh, it's not going to break until I until I do the first shift. Like the, We have to sit through the first two games. We're the third game, so... 
it's going to be me running around the ring trying to finish all the things and someone saying that I get to do the task managing on the day of telling me to stop. We'll yeah. see how it works. We're going to have to find at least one person who is going to be Mason that day and one person who's going to be Avery and just, here's my tablet, here's the passcode for it, go do everything that I wrote down that I needed to get done because otherwise I will and I won't have time to enjoy myself. And here's how we're going to end this up. We're going to take it back to a little Star Wars. Rebel Alliance versus Empire. Hockey. One game, Galactic Championship. Winner runs the galaxy. Any position, who would be your, who would be like that go-to player? Who'd be your first star? Of the, who do you think would be your first star of that night? Can we can we name any player, or are we limiting it to to trans players? Uh, what, any play, any a, any player in the Star Wars universe, any potential. Any potential okay. character, anyone? Oh, oh, what is his name? The um, <laughs> the guy in episode two that Obi Wan talks to. He like is he like owns a bar, or restaurant, or something. He's huge. I'm just gonna put him in goal. <laughs> he just filled the whole thing. I'm gonna put him in goal. I'm set. I need a playmaker. I think I want Dex. What? Dex of Dex's Diner. <laughs> As a playmaker? No, he's my goalie. He's <laughs> <laughs> saying I, I want the playmaker. I got to put someone out there at center to do things. Um, God, I'd probably get the general. She knows how to do things. Oh dear. See, I'm surprised none of y'all picked Luke. Because I'd pick Lou. Oh, I mean, I'd put him and Obi Wan, and I mean, they'd be on the team, but they're Mace. Not. Those no. probably be my centers. Luke is a, Luke is a, Luke is our Mark Johnson. He's the Force. Luke's probably put, my number. Luke's wearing my number ten out there. I'd probably put um, Luke, Obi Wan, and Mace as my top three centers. Mace wow. Windu. See, actually, I could see no. See, I don't know. I would, I, I'd do one replacement on that line. I'd say you need a Luke. You need a Luke. You need Luke off. Yoda on. See, see. Remember when when Yoda and Palpatine went at it. Yoda pulled it out like a gunfighter. That tells me right there. That that that's like blue line slap shot type stuff right there. Oh, look at you. I didn't see the kitty. <laughs> this is Lumos. It's a big kitty. <laughs> yeah. He's a good boy. Sometimes. Until <laughs> the other cat. Well, I can tell you, November 20th and 21st, let it, let it, be, let it be known. Hey, get some video. I want to run that on the, I want to run that on the podcast that week. And also for the both of you, in fact, for all of team, spread the word to team trans. I want the, I want all of you sometime before the end of this year. I want to get, I just want to have like a team trans hockey party right here at the transporter room. Who's with me. Cool. 
Sounds like fun. Who's who's with I'm me? In. Who's with me? Because I'm looking forward to it. November 20th and 21st in, Mad- in Madison, Wisconsin. Team Trans is back. And also, Avery Cordingly, Mason Lefebvre, thank you for being on the Transporter Room. And thank you for the insights. Thanks for having us. And thanks for thanks for being here. You two have got a lot to plan between now and the 20th. I'm going to beam you back down to Wisconsin to get to it. We're going to energize, beam them back down, and I want to thank them both for coming up to this forum, saying the things they've talked about, and also for being a part of a team that I'm a big fan of, and I think you will be as well. And I also want to thank all of you for joining me this week on the Transporter Room, and just remember, if there's something you want to see or something you want to say about what we're doing, by all means, leave a message on our Twitter page, leave a message on our Facebook page, and leave a message on our Instagram presence coming soon. Because remember, everything I do here at the Transporter Room, I do it for you, the people who support us. That's the Transporter Room for this week. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. Live long and prosper. And study as she goes. I'll catch you all next week.